Hey guys. So far, we've had some great feedback for our fundraising with the limited run merch sale. We've covered about a third of our hosting fees for the upcoming year, but there's still time to support the show. We wanted to let you guys know that this is the last chance to buy your merch. We originally said it would be done August 2nd, but that was our mistake. So the last possible day to get a mug or a shirt with the Chemistry for Your Life logo is on Saturday, August 1st. Be sure to get your orders in. Thank you so much for being excited about these products with us. We've had so much fun hearing from you guys talking about what you like and how excited you are. We just love you guys and we cannot do the show without you. To check out our store, go to bonfire.com slash store slash chem for your life. That's chem, F-O-R, your life. You can also just tap the link down in our show notes on our website or on our, in our social media bios and posts. And like Melissa said, the last day is Saturday, August 1st at 11.59 p.m. Get those orders in. And now on to the show. Okay, so you asked me what the heck... I should probably finish doing this. Oh, I forgot to do our intro. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast that helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, Jam. Last week, you asked me the question that we've all been wondering that's on everyone's minds is uh-huh. what the heck is DEET? Yes. And how does it work? And why is it on all these bottles? Yeah. And is it even important? Seems like it probably is, but who knows? Okay, well, here we go. DEET is just your standard organic compound. It's just like a type of chemical molecule situation. Any person who's taken organic chemistry could draw the structure, has seen structures like it, can uh-huh. probably give it its like official name and do reactions with it. It's just like a simple little organic chemistry compound. I'm going to okay. show you a picture of it. Okay. It is. Here we go. I'm going to, I have to share my screen with you. Right there. Do you see it? Yes. Yes, it's I do. It's just, it's got a ring that's known as a benzene ring. It's a six membered carbon ring that's really stable. And it's got a carbon sticking out from one side and then... On the other side, it's got a structure that's known as an amide, carbonyl group, and then a nitrogen. So the interesting thing when people ask me questions like, what the heck is D? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It's just an organic chemistry molecule. What do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like very, well, I guess we'll get more to like what it does. And stuff like that. But so far as like pretty underwhelming because it's like, you're like, yeah, it's just normal. Just re- regular old <laughs> compound, you know? Yeah, not it's di- going to get more exciting. Not different than anything else. That's so funny. I expected it to be like, also, I thought maybe like DEET was an acronym or something because it's just such it a is. weird word. Oh, it is an acronym. Yes, it is an acronym for the IUPAC name. So IUPAC is the International Union of Pure and Applied Chemistry. It's basically a group of people who get together mm-hmm. and decide international names for chemistry. We're all going to name molecules the same thing, no matter what country we're in or whatever. Mm. And so there's the like a secret that, society kind of thing. It kind of is like that. Pulling the chemistry strings from <laughs> from, un, from the underground. Yeah, sometimes their rules are really frustrating, but <laughs> they're trying to help because 
you know, if if you're a chemist and you're looking at a molecule and you're trying to describe it to another chemist, that's really hard unless you have some standardized way of talking. Right, right. Yeah, because, yeah, can you imagine being like, the one that's got like the oxygen and then like the nitrogen and there's like a carbon and it looks like a stick figure laying on a side. Like uh-huh. that would be like, don't they all look like stick figures? It'd be so. Right, right. <laughs> and that's, I try to make my students, one of them gets to look at a molecule and the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then they have to explain what they're looking at without using the IUPAC name. Oh, interesting. And they can't usually. It's really hard. And so then I say, that's why I'm forcing you to learn this. Yeah. <laughs> Is because we need a language about which to talk about chemistry. So the fancy name for it is N-N-Diethyl-M-Toluamid. Whoa. Means like nothing to you guys, but there's a diethyl and then toluamide. I think that's where the D E T comes from. I don't know why there's two E's because mm-hmm. I mean, there's two ethyl groups, so maybe that's it. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's they shortened it down to D because it sounds better than saying N N diethyl M toluamide. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> sounds better than that. That's true. Mm-hmm. But if you're an organic chemistry person, if you're taking the class or your biology major, see if you can remember what that structure might look like. That'd be a fun game. So that's what DEET is. And that's kind of boring. It's almost like if you ask me what's water and I tell you, well, it's like an oxygen and two hydrogens. Right. It doesn't tell you much about like what it can do or what it ends up appearing like in nature and how it interacts with other things. It just tells you like what it is by, it's like, it's kind of like looking at the dictionary definition of something. It can yeah. just not really tell you much about it. Like, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I can think well, of an example of a word like that, but that's, it seems like it's similar. That, that's my immediate thought when people ask me, what is this thing? And you, I just think it's a molecule. I don't mm-hmm. know what to tell you, <laughs> yeah. but I do know what to tell you because I did a lot of other research on it. First, DEET is not DDT. Do you know what DDT is? Uh, I do not know. Have you ever seen the images of kids playing in like clouds? I've said it like a lot. Oh. Have you ever seen the images of kids playing in clouds of insecticide coming out from trucks? Yeah, I totally have. Especially like, I remember my mom talking about doing that as a kid, but also in the Tree of Life, they do that. It's like one of my favorite movies. Um, right. It takes place mm-hmm. in like the 50s or 60s and and they do that. Yes. So DEET is not that thing. Okay. It's not the DDT clouds behind trucks. DDT was great at killing insects, but it was bad because it was also accumulating in the environment. It was toxic. It was thinning eggshells and birds. So bird populations were dying. It was oh, wow. very bad. Mm-hmm. Yikes. And for a long time, I thought DEET and DDT were the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're not. So I had paired those two in my mind, and that's interesting that I had done that because it does seem like they were developed around the same time. Uh-huh. The U.S. military during World War II and in the years after, just like in the first few years after World War II, was really working on developing products to help troops mm-hmm. in insect-infected areas. Mm-hmm. And that was how these insecticides came to be from the U.S. military in the mid-1940s. Mm-hmm. Then after the war ended, they tried to use those same products that they were using militarily to improve civilian life back Mm. at home. 
And DEET came out around that time. I think it was being used in the public for the first time in the 50s. I think it was made around 46 from what I remember. Wow. It keeps things away from you. It does a great job. Okay. There's a study in 2002 that tested DEET against some other more natural insect repellents. And DEET had a complete protection time, completely protected you for 301.5 minutes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that was just a 23% DEET formula. Interesting. Is that like around what we have available to us like as regular consumers or what? I think so. Yeah. It's about that. Okay. Interesting. I didn't realize it was that effective. It's incredibly effective. They tested some other things. One was a soybean oil-based repellent and that was, that worked for about 95 minutes. Mm -hmm. And all the botanical repellents that they tested basically protected you for 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Dang. Yeah, that isn't, that's not much. If you're going to be outside Mm -mm. enough to like put on some sort of repellent, you're going to be outside for more than 20 minutes. Yes. And the... The last thing they tested was those wristbands that have repellent in them. Uh-huh. They said those offered no protection at all. I believe it. I remember those. <laughs> Man, it did not work. So DEET really does a really very good job of repelling insects. Wow. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know how DEET worked. <laughs> a common theme. <laughs> yeah, so they just were like, this works. I wish yes. we knew how, but wow, it works. A hundred percent. So Dr. Christopher Potter, who worked on a study that we're going to talk about in a minute, was in an interview for Chemistry and Engineering News Magazine, which is a really good magazine. He said that traditionally they would just screen thousands of chemicals and see which ones worked on repelling mosquitoes. I mean, I guess it, depending on like where technology was at that might be faster be like well Mm -hmm. we could like theorize about would this kind of chemical structure do this or that or we could just try it and see that might even make more sense now i don't know i mean if as long as you're not gonna potentially hurt somebody seems like you would get you would get some answers pretty quickly i guess i think that gives some insight into two approaches with chem chemistry or developing new molecules is there's one that is we're going to dismantle the existing system that we're trying to alter Mm -hmm. and figure out how it works. And then we're going to address that. And then there's the other way that's just brute force. We're going to make a bunch of stuff and see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Dr. Christopher Potter and his team, they said, we're going to figure this out. They're of that approach. Okay. Nice. So they, Modified these mosquitoes' antennas, which honestly I do not understand at all how they did this, but <laughs> they developed a test that made neurons in the mosquitoes' antenna fluoresce when the odor receptors turned on. So basically, there was a visual response that you could see when the mosquitoes' odor receptors were triggered a little signal kind of thing. Mm-hmm, that you could okay. see with your eyeballs. Yeah, gotcha. So then they tested different odor signals. They uh-huh. tested odors and chemicals that come from our skin, and they tested several repellents, including DEET and a few other synthetic ones. Mm-hmm. 
And then they tested natural repellents, the botanical ones like lemongrass. And there's another one called eugenol. These are Mm -hmm. our natural products. And the odor receptors lit up with human scent Mm -hmm. and they lit up with the natural products. Okay. The odor receptors did not light up with DEET. Wow. So Mm -hmm. that's crazy. That's so smart to think to like modify some mosquitoes like that because I don't know how, yeah, how else would you really know? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like having a little signal that says your phone's charging. It makes all the difference. It's like, okay, yeah, it's charging. Right. Got it. Mm-hmm. Just like, if you don't have that, then you're just totally in the dark. That's very smart. It is smart. And it shows that the natural repellents and the DEET work in two different ways. Mm-hmm. I think maybe the other synthetic repellents also didn't light up. But we're focused on DEET today, so that's what I'm going to talk about most. Did, did they try some of the more like natural repellents like garlic and crucifixes and that kind of thing? <laughs> no, I think they left those for the vampires. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe a different topic, different day. Uh, so, but what's really interesting is then when they mixed the human odors with the DEET and sprayed that, there was no signal for the olfactory responses. Oh, So it seems that the natural repellents work in a different mechanism than the synthetic ones like DEET. Mm -hmm. But it also seems that maybe DEET is shutting down that olfactory signal or something to where they they do not detect our human odors at all anymore. So it's like a little... We don't know for sure, but that's what it seems that's happening. Yeah. Almost like a little clothespin for their noses. It's like... Or like how... You know how, like, if you smell a skunk, it's like you can't smell anything else for a second? Like, if if someone hit mm-hmm. one or whatever, like, on your street or something, it's just like, man, mm-hmm. you, you probably couldn't smell anything else for a little bit when you're near something like that. Maybe it just, like, destroys right. their sense of smell because it's so strong or something to them. I don't know. Yeah, I think that that, that could be it. They also found they used a photoionization detector, which basically lets you visualize what's becoming volatile or not. Uh-huh. And it seemed that less human odorants were becoming volatile in the presence of DEET. Oh. So it could even be working another way. Somehow the DEET is keeping the olfactory signal from lighting up, but it's not triggering it itself or anything like that. Got it. So it's I just think keeping we have, it from lighting up. Mm-hmm, we've wow. got a question mark there. Yeah. But also a different researcher said that they found that different mosquitoes species respond to DEET by different mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And this same professor, the first one that we talked about who did all this research, agreed because a lot of mosquito species diverged a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so they could have very different receptor signals. They could have very different methods of detecting humans. There's mm-hmm. lots of different things going on in different species of mosquitoes. So this was just one instance of testing specifically malaria mosquitoes, that a species that can transmit malaria. But uh-huh. that's just kind of a, a qualifier, okay. you know? Right, right, right. This is one species that they found. Some people have found some other stuff, but I thought it was so interesting that they found the DEET kind of let there be less human smells, but also the DEET was not lighting up their olfactory signal at all. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, 
it was just almost shutting down that system or ignoring that system altogether, making it to where those human smells could not hit the olfactory receptor right. of the mosquito. Kind of like putting like an invisibility cloak over you or something like that. Just like, mm-hmm. like you, obviously there's a human there, but somehow it's hiding or preventing the, your, our smells and volatile compounds or whatever else from being detected at all. That's crazy. I know. And like, so that's deep. Is the CO2, they didn't, that's not where they, they didn't detect the CO2 in the same place, do they? In their olfactory? No, I think the CO2 and the olfactory receptors were two different things. Okay. Or maybe there's different sites on the antenna that detect for one or the other. But in the previous studies, they would disable the CO2 receptors, but mm-hmm. still have the olfactory response. So I think those are two different. Okay, got it, got it. But like I said, there's tons of species of mosquitoes that probably all react a little bit differently. So I think Mm -hmm. we're just kind of scratching the surface of mosquito science and Mm -hmm. how they're attracted to humans and everything. But one thing that seems unequivocal is that DEET works. Yeah. So like they reverse engineered it by testing it with the malaria type of mosquito and modifying their antenna. That's what you're saying, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But... In practice, it's proven. It's been proven to work, even if we don't know how. In every species, it's been proven to work in more than just that one species, right? I believe so. It okay. seems to work with mosquitoes, period. But it's just by different mechanisms in right. different species of mosquitoes, which makes sense because they probably have different mechanisms of finding humans in different species of mosquitoes. Got it. Got it. Dang, that's crazy. It really is so interesting. So that was where I started. And then I looked into the safety. So do you want to stop now and tell me that back? And then we can talk about safety. Yes, I would like to. That would help me keep it straight, I think. So so mosquitoes, like we learned about in the other episodes too, and just like humans, they've got an old factory, you know? (laughs) Like we talked about before, one of the oldest factories there is. And one of the ways that they find us is by smelling us, smelling some some compounds we give off, some volatile acids, et cetera. And so what they've been able to find out after the fact, they already realized that DEET, which is a seemingly not super special, super powered kind of compound, just is one of what's a chemical compound, compound, mm-hmm. right? Organic. Yeah. And it's organic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that they found out that it keeps mosquitoes away and has an effect on them not not really bothering humans when it's present. And only recently in this test that Christopher, I was going to say Christopher Plummer, but that's... that's <laughs> it's Dr. Christopher Potter. <laughs> Potter. Christopher Plummer is pretty cool, but I think he's spent most of his time acting, not not so much on the science. Um, they only have recently discovered that at least in one type of mosquito, it seems like it's just somehow preventing their olfactory receptors, their the equivalent of their nose kind of thing, mm-hmm. from being able to detect the kinds of smells and stuff that they're looking for mm-hmm. to find good sources of blood protein for um 
for production, reproduction and their eggs and stuff like that. Somehow mm-hmm. the DEET just prevents them from like smelling us, smelling those things. It just prevents that, that prevent maybe is too active a word. Somehow in the presence of DEET, their olfactory receptor doesn't come on. And so they can't smell us or don't smell us somehow. Right. Is that, is that the gist of it? That is the gist of it. And I think, like I said, in this instance, it seemed that maybe the DEET was keeping the volatile compounds from coming up off your skin right. in as much quality. Other researchers have found a different mechanism that DEET works. So it might just be that DEET has multiple effective methods mm-hmm. of working against mosquitoes. So, so it's the, really cool. In the preventing of like our, you said like preventing, how do you word that? Preventing volatile compounds or the it basically just keeps them from volatile from becoming volatile okay so that would be like that would make it pretty important to have to that's like what would put it on our skin then in that case in those situations where it's preventing those compounds from becoming volatile and then being detectable by mosquitoes that's why we just that's why we would spray ourselves and not just spray around mm-hmm. the air or whatever in that those probably cases. is part of why those bracelets didn't really work I'm right. wondering. Right. That's right, right. me totally speculating on someone else's research that I'm not an expert Breaking in. Breaking news. I you heard it here first. <laughs> My roommate, whenever I say dumb things or make comments about shows, will always say, hot takes by Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> so you could do your hot takes by Melissa. <laughs> There's this show I love um, called Time Crisis. And they talk about music and stuff. And one of the guys is pretty kind of a... He's a little negative, uh, I would say, but he's pretty opinionated, which I like. His name is Jake. And so they call it Jake's Takes. They'll, he'll say something <laughs> like, ooh, I don't like this song. Or like, ooh, yikes, that's rough. And then they'll be like, <laughs> they have a little pre-recorded thing that says just like, Jake's Takes. And it just like <laughs> has a slam kind of sound, like almost like an earthquake at the same time. Oh, that's funny. Okay, well, let's talk about safety. Okay, sweet. The safety is going to be your same old chemistry story. In this case, it does not seem acutely toxic. It's ranked. There's a a system of four different levels of um, from the EPA of what's safe and what's not safe. And they're second to last. So they're pretty fine. It's barely toxic, if toxic at all. And there has been some concern about its exposure to children, Mm -hmm. exposing D to children and exposing pregnant women to to DEET, but then some reviews that studied all the literature on the topic came back to say it doesn't seem like there's any conclusive findings. Okay. So the general consensus is that DEET is probably fine Mm -hmm. to use as instructed on the bottles that it comes in or whatever intermittently. I think Mm -hmm. it becomes more dangerous if you're using it constantly day in, day out, whatever, but the way that it is instructed to be used on the bottle it should be fine we have no evidence that it's not nice one source i saw said children under two years probably shouldn't be using it okay so you can get baby special Uh insect repellents um my personal opinion as a chemist is that i tend to try to put less things that are not naturally occurring in my body as much as possible. Right. I just reduce the amount of exposure I get to non 
natural products. Mm -hmm. For me, this is not a big deal because I don't have much of a response to mosquitoes. They don't really bother me. So I would probably tend to use a natural one that gives a little less protection, if Mm -hmm. anything. But if you're really at risk, if you're someone who gets bitten a lot, if you live in a country where malaria is a real issue, all the agencies and people who are investigating this stuff have given DEET a very low toxicity risk compared to other things. Mm -hmm. So that's the general consensus. Maybe be careful if you're in one of those more vulnerable populations. Yeah. Keep up to date on any new breaking information about it. But as of right now, DEET does not seem to be the villain that DDT was. Nice. Okay. That's cool. So it seems like everyone's okay with it being used, Mm -hmm. but you might just err on the side of caution. You know, and it makes sense for like like you said, kids under two, because um, even just like like their skin can be really sensitive to like even just um, things that have a scent to them. Like a lot of yeah. times, they just say like, "Hey, you probably should just use like no scent um, detergent and stuff like that," just because that can even be sensitive to them. So it might even be like maybe it's not the fact that deed is dangerous; it's just that it's a chemical type of thing that they haven't been around yet or whatever. Um, Right. Well, and a lot of scents aren't regulated by the FDA. So if you can go scentless, it's generally better Mm -hmm. to do that. So just as a rule, there's not a lot of regulation on what things smell good and don't smell good. So (laughs) there's not a lot of regulation on the safety of things that smell good. So you might, I recommend going scentless as often as possible mm-hmm. in in beauty products and stuff like that. Interesting. That being said, if somebody gives me a bottle of lotion that smells good, I'm going to use it. But yeah. there's just to be a fully informed consumer, there's not a lot of regulation on the scents that go into products. That makes a lot of sense. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, Something about being scentless in Seattle, um, which is not really a pun, just that was a funny play on it. But I was like, oh my gosh, it's just so much more obvious one right in front of me. (laughs) Um, I I have not really felt like I haven't haven't had any um, scientific reasons to feel this way, but I just don't like bug spray. I don't like how it smells. And I just feel uh, when it's on my skin. And I think there's certainly situations where it's probably safer just to do it. Like I've been to several countries that have a high risk of malaria and had to take malaria prevention medication while I was there and was directed by doctors to like use some sort of repellent that's has D in it. In those situations I followed directions cause it was like, okay, this is going to be like a two week trip. Um, it seems like it's worth it just to be safe. But in the day in day out, like Texas summer, I mean, I just, ugh, I just don't like putting it on and, it reminds me so much of being a kid and being having to like be told by my parents to like slather <laughs> in in um, sunscreen and insect repellent and running around riding bikes, sweating and just it just makes me think like oh, I don't maybe I'll just stay inside. <laughs> if it's really if I've got to do that and if it's that bad if there's that much sun and that much that many mosquitoes then maybe I'll just I'll just stay inside. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I don't love that feeling, but it does seem like if you're willing to reapply a lot, those botanical repellents also do work. 
mm. if you want to go as natural as possible. That's true. So. I guess you could just keep it on hand and just apply every 20 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It said, let's see, there were lemongrass, I think, and eugenol were the two. Nice. Well, that's it. That's our um, what the heck is DEET and how does it work? Chemistry for your life episode. Nice. Next week, we're going to talk about what's new in the world of scientific research. So I'm just going to look at a lot of different articles of chemists developing new insect repellents and tell you what approaches they're taking, which is a little bit different than mm-hmm. what we've done before, but I think it'll be fun and interesting. So it'd be kind of like a, what are they, what are some things they're trying different, different ways of repelling uh, mosquitoes mm-hmm. and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds cool. I think it'll be fun. Sweet. Is it time to talk about our weeks? I think so. Awesome. I, there's one thing that I know that you've been excited about that maybe you should just go first. Okay, I'll go first. So I, you guys know, we've talked about before, I am an old school Apple product user. I try to not spend money and make things last as long as possible. But Rona has different ideas for technology. <laughs> And I have had the same computer for 11 years. It got me through my undergrad degree, my first graduate degree, internship, this degree. It took us through a whole year of chemistry for your life. And um, it could not handle the demands (laughs) of remote learning. (laughs) It just would get really hot on my lap and burn my legs. I had to put an, an... Cool pack from the freezer underneath it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, it just couldn't be running all the things I needed it to be running constantly, all work days, every day. So, I thankfully had a scholarship from the university, and I was able to use that to get a brand new computer. Nice, yeah, dude. It's that's so awesome. What a great feeling that is, especially like. It's nice whenever you wait a long time to update, like you've been able to, it makes mm-hmm. it even sweeter when you do. Cause like you just jumped 10 years of computer like, um, updates basically like, Oh yeah. I earned this update. It's like when you take a shower after a hard workout, Yeah, this is the shower after my 11 year workout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it makes recording easier. I'm not scared we're going to shut down midway through. That has happened while we're recording. My computer just stopped recording. Yeah, dude, yeah. That was scary. <laughs> During a class, it just shut down multiple times while I was teaching. Crazy stuff is happening. So now I have a very reliable new computer. I was kind of sad to see the other one go, but mm-hmm. I'm very happy now to be working on a computer that's quick and takes care of all my stuff and I don't have to worry that it's going to just randomly shut down on me. Um, so here's to another 11 years yeah. <laughs> with this computer. <laughs> Dude. Awesome. I'm excited for you. I love, I love that. I was like very, very pumped that you were doing that. I knew it was like, you probably would have done it sooner if you could have definitely not always a fun move to have to make, but once you do, it's so exciting and so enjoyable to be like, get to use a new thing and get to put it to work and, use it every day on stuff that you care about doing. So that's awesome. It really is so awesome. I'm pretty excited. So, and, and Jim set me up with Dropbox. So now I never have to worry that my data is going to disappear, which literally happened to me the week of my master's defense oh, last, yeah. last year. So yeah, 
I'm, I'm fully, I feel safe. I feel fully protected with this new technology. Yeah. When that happened, when you like lost some data or whatever, uh, that you're just talking about that story, uh, me and one of our other mutual friends hatched a plan to try to like strong arm you into getting Dropbox or some sort of backup thing. Our friend, our friend Ryan, <laughs> we were like, we've got to get her. She's doing too much important stuff. We can't afford for any of that to like just go missing with her computer dies. And so it took, <laughs> it took longer than expected, but we did get you set up. And I'm a firm. You did get me set up. I'm a firm believer in Dropbox. So Dropbox, if you want to sponsor our show, just let us know. We, we both are. In, <laughs> yeah, that's we true. Both use it. You really are a firm believer. So what about you? What's your happy thing this week? So my thing's a lot less cool, but something I'm excited about. I was reading some, now I don't know about the chemistry side of this, but it is sort of chemistry related for a future topic about coffee. But I was reading some forums and, and groups and stuff like that about cold brew. And there's lots of theories about there. Obviously a lot of it's the approach of try stuff and just see what happens. You know, most of us doing coffee stuff are not scientists. We're just guessing as we go. And Mm -hmm. I read a pretty convincing post that convinced me to change my cold brew ratio. Whoa. So I've been brewing it five to one, which means for every five parts of water, I have one part of coffee. Um, And it's really easy to calculate if you're using metric. So got like, say, 100 grams of coffee, then you have 500 milliliters of water. Um. And this post talked about how they believed that there wasn't enough water available to extract all that could be extracted out of the coffee if you do five to one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess that'd be something. Like it, it gets saturated. The solution gets saturated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this person was like, I think six to one, in my experience, seems to be the lowest, the most concentrated you can go while still getting as much as possible out of the, the coffee. Because you do want to have lots of cold brew. You want to have it be concentrated and then dilute it when you drink it. And so mm-hmm. anyway, all I have to say, tons of nerdy stuff, but I really d- dove deep into these posts and stuff. And I thought I had had the perfect ratio and stuff, but I tried. I've done two batches now at the one to six ratio and it tastes the same in sense it doesn't taste weaker which would sort of, in a subjective way, prove that person's point that there's mm-hmm. not less being like extracted into the water or whatever. So interesting. I'm excited because it improves the cold brew game one more step. It makes it more yeah. efficient and I use uh, less coffee and it does taste better to me. So that nice. has been exciting for me. That is exciting. <laughs> Yay. So you can basically get more coffee out of the same amount of coffee mm-hmm. beans. Yep. I'm actually, I'm using literally 50 grams less coffee per batch. So that's like quickly adds up in coffee savings. Yeah. So. Wow. Congratulations. Your, <laughs> your coffeeologist ways are coming back around to us. Absolutely. I could definitely talk way more about that. So uh, we'll stop it there. But um, any cold brew people out there, definitely DM us if you want to talk more cold brew. Yeah, I really enjoyed it when Abby asked about how to up her coffee game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. 
Well, thanks for sharing your coffee triumphs with us. <laughs> and thanks for coming to learn all about what the heck DEET is and indulging my organic chemistry ways. And thanks to all of you listeners also for coming and learning. We're so thankful for you guys. We could not do this show without you. Dude, anytime. Thanks for having us. Thanks for teaching us. And um, thanks for answering questions, but giving us new ones every time. We keep having like a cliffhanger at the end. It's like, <laughs> and we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> Previously on Chemistry for Your Life. So Melissa and I have a lot of ideas for topics of chemistry in everyday life, just like mosquitoes and DEET and repellent and all those. But we want to hear from you. So if you have questions or ideas, you can reach out to us on Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Chem for Your Life. That's Chem, F-O-R, Your Life, to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, check out our limited run merch shop at bonfire.com slash store slash chem for your life. Check out our merch there and you can support the show by buying something on our, on our merch store. If you aren't able to do that, you can help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to be able to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. References for this episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. Jam Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to A. Hefner and S. Flint, who reviewed this episode. Mm-hmm.